Oh man, where are we? I, I have no idea. Have, have any of you ever been here before? No, never. How do we get out of here? Well, the door seems to be locked. Well, I, I don't see anything except this wooden box. What's going on? Hey, hey, look, there's a letter here. What does it say? Hmm, let, let me see. It says that to get out of here, we need to solve all the puzzles on the box and get what's inside of it. And that would prove that we're worthy. It, it, it says something about how we were chosen to mm. do this or something. Pit, it pit, says that all here. the answers uh, that we seek are inside ready? of this box thing. With, and and look, there's it. even a key oh, attached yeah. to this okay, letter. And I guess we need to unlock lift. this thing and see what's <laughs> inside of it. It, it doesn't say <laughs> who's behind this, though. Okay, what do you okay. think might ready? be inside of it? It, yeah. it says that we're One, blind without nightmares or something. Oh. I don't think that's how we were supposed to get into that box. You know, a bit of brute force never hurt anyone before. I don't know if that exactly counts as brute force, but never mind. Look, there's something in there. Something... shiny? Oh, look, it, it floats. I've never seen anything like that before. Kinda looks dangerous. Hmm, Barrio? Yeah? Stick your finger in it. On today's episode of The Culture Quest, we discuss things that we think should be used in a way other than the way they were designed to be used, our main discussion is about the room, and we introduce the topic of our next episode, Citizen Kane. Hello, and welcome to The Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today we're tempted to stick our fingers in all sorts of places. <laughs> With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Anon. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today, we're discussing The Room. And maybe disappointingly, I do not mean the 2003 indie movie by Tommy Wiseau, or, or Tommy Wiseau, or however you say the name. I mean the 2012 puzzle video game that maybe should have been called The Box or something like that. But first, Tavern Talk. <laughs> I feel so bad for anyone coming to this episode. Like, most people go from episode one, but there's going to be a few that will start. Like, oh, what's the most recent stuff? And we've just <laughs> opened with your finger in holes situation. So, but... You know, that's just luck of the draw. <laughs> On today's Tavern Talk segment, I ask you guys this. What is something that you believe is better when it's used in a way it wasn't designed to be used? Uh, or what is something you have to change or break or cheat in or misuse in order to make the most out of? Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. For me, I, I was thinking about it and it, it was very difficult because I understood what it meant. And I could imagine an Ask Reddit question where... There's so many ingenious answers, but I didn't really have anything off the cuff. And I was thinking, well, a lot of the things I'm using that have just broken because I can't be bothered to get a new one. And that's not, it's not exactly the question. You know, I can, I would enjoy it if it wasn't broken as well. Or it's something like a parking ticket. Like, oh, when I go to this parking place, I know there's no inspector, so I don't pay. And that's how I enjoy that service. <laughs> but that's not exactly the question. So... But then I realized I had an absolutely stock standard one that, um, that I have at home. And there's this game called Santorini. It's like the Greek island. And basically there's, it, it comes with like a sort of like a chess looking game board, except you build upwards with, with chess. It's all sort of like 2D, but this one you sort of like are building little bits, like little sort of white castles. It's based on like the, the homes or, you know, um, dwellings in, in Greece and, 
basically like there's this bit that you you do where you sort of you use your two characters and you you know you trot along just try to get as high like basically as high as you can once you get to the third level once one of your characters gets there you win mm. but there's these heaps of these extra cards which they essentially are there to make the game interesting so they give you power-ups like oh instead of building one building you can build two or you can build a little bit further away from your character than you usually would be able to or it gives you other ways to win. So it, instead of one way to win, it gives you like a few different ones. And basically the game is like, if you both have a different card, then the game's different every time. But me and my friends tried to play, like we played it the original way, like with the cards and everything like that. And we're just like, this is just so complex. Like they were so overpowered, these cards. So we just scrapped the cards. They're like the main bit of the game, but we just scrap the cards and we just play like the chess-like thing without them. And, the, and this like bare bones version of the game is so much better. It's just tactically, it just is much harder. It takes longer. It's, it's so much better. And I've looked it up online and I just can't find anyone that like doesn't use the cards. Like everyone's just like, like, why are you playing without the cards? The cards are the thing that make it interesting. But I guess they're there if we want them. But, like, I mean, <laughs> uh, we've tried, like, every few months, we just go, like, okay, let's just play with the cards, you know? And it's always been bad. Ugh. We've never had a good time with the cards. So you just build the buildings or move them around? Yeah, essentially. Um, you don't move the buildings around, but you move your characters around trying to get to the top one. Mm. And all the cards are, like, it gives your characters power-ups. Mm -hmm. Essentially, like, you're playing sort of like a role-playing game or, like, a free-roam game online where your character has certain abilities. But we have just gone with a version where every character is exactly the same mm. and there's no difference. Mm. And we just, I don't know, it makes it much more of, like, a um, sort of like a classic game, like Bagamon or um, <laughs> Chess or Checkers or something like that. Like, there's literally, like, two or three rules our way whereas the other one makes it more like a modern board game like something with like power-ups and evolution and stuff like that you know but our one is just much more bare bones it's funny like with board games you usually have like house rules and stuff you know like the way yeah you guys play you, you and your friends played but you guys have just stripped everything down yeah it, it to put it in monopoly terms for house rules it's just like taking out all the community chest and the chance cards and auctioning and everything and it's just like going around buying as many properties as you can and there's no rent or anything it's like it's like the most simple game ever you can literally put two bots to play it and it will be the same yeah yeah it's actually so intense like the the less stuff that's going on makes the actual battle i feel more intense because there's no like since there's only one way to win our way yeah, I feel like it like focuses you in a little bit. I don't know. It's it's good. Hmm. It's good our way. Do you play any other board games that you have your own house rules? I play a lot of um, board games. I do. I probably have a, on average about one house rule per game. Most of our house rules are where the rules aren't clear about something, and there's one rule interpretation which could make the game a little bit more interesting, or or just turn it on its head a little bit. It's kind of the interpretation that makes sense to you, I'm guessing. Yeah. So like for instance, like there's a lot of games where there's like an auction period and then and then you sort of start playing like the action bit of it. So if if they say for instance, oh, you're playing a car racing game 
and you get all the stats about the cars and then you do the auction. So basically you're operating in a market of like full information or perfect information. Well, sometimes we'll say, oh, okay, you get most of the stats about the cars, but you don't get the order of one or what the cars start. And even though it's probably tactically, I don't know, I guess you could say more sound to have the starting line information before you bet, because then you can factor it into yeah. your bets. There's still something fun about not knowing it because then you have that thing where you bet on something and then it starts last and it's like, oh no. So you can kind of, um, a lot of house rules can kind of, if some, if a game's too tactical, you can kind of skew the balance more to a luck-based game. And if it's a luck-based game, you can sometimes skew it to be a bit more tactical. And to be honest, I think like a lot of the tactical games, I'm just skewing them to make them more luck based because I just love a I love a good old fashioned roll yeah. of the dice, you know. That's cool. That's that's a great answer. Yeah. Like there are a lot of, of games like that that you need to do these minor tweaks and it makes you think like whether or not you're playing your the, the whole game wrong. Mm. There's there's a there's a game that you know, and I and a, and a couple of friends used to play called Munchkin. It's it's a card game, kind of like a parody. Oh, over, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a parody over D and D. I've never played it's it. Fun. It's, yeah, actually, it's, really fun. it's actually really fun. It, the, the cards are funny. Yeah, if hell. you play mm. it a lot of times with the same people, you kind of get all the strategies, and it kind of loses its meaning. But it's a great game. Yeah, and you start hating them as well. Yeah. So that's also a downfall. <laughs> Sounds like a good game to me. Yeah. Yeah. You, everyone's so good at reading each other like strategy that no one is uh, able to yeah. get past level one. It's horrible. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like those games that you can figure out. Like even yeah. the games that you haven't figured out, but you think you'll be able to. Even when you're playing them for the first time, it's like, oh, how you feel like you're on a clock a little bit. Yeah. Like how long you can do it before everyone figures it out so yeah you got like race and classes there and there's a class of being a wizard and the whole game is about winning battles and getting treasure uh and and Mm. looting the room yeah and there's uh one character that the wizard i think that can enchant and then just take the treasures and the treasure is all about what makes the game and i think like very early when we started playing, we understood this is way too much, too powerful. Yeah, it's, it's overpowered. Yeah, so we kind of like we gave a, a couple of limits to it, where you have to discard your whole hand, but you have to have like minimum of three cards or something like that. Yeah, and that <laughs> exactly that kept me thinking: what are we doing wrong? This is obviously this is too powerful. So uh, either either we don't understand the rules. Or we're doing something very wrong. Like it, it doesn't make sense that this is the the original intention. Yeah, mm. yeah. The first thing that I thought about when like something gets better when when you're doing it wrong is recipes. The kick that I get out of cooking is when you take a recipe and maybe do it by the book the first time. But then the fun really starts when you start adding ingredients or taking some off. And yeah, that's a good one, actually. Not only that you're getting it to your preference, like to your taste, but it also becomes yours, which is incredibly fun. It it becomes like your variation over the recipe. And, and uh, I know it's fun. I love it. I started making cookies couple of years back and i like making chocolate chip cookies is incredibly easy but there are a lot of ways of making of making those and i found like this recipe that i fine-tuned to like the exact way i like chocolate chip cookies and it's wonderful like i'm i'm so excited about it and every time i open the recipe i see how different i actually take it from from it and it's fun yeah that's a good answer i can't cook to a recipe i can't stick to a recipe 
So I, what I, what I do is just kind of find the, the important bits about the recipe, like what makes the dish the dish, and then I just guess <laughs> the rest. I, I just can't follow a recipe. <laughs> uh, I basically, I'm moving out in a little bit, and um, I reckon I know four dishes that I can make. So not a lot, but like basically the problem about me cooking is like, <laughs> I'm very, very good at cooking what I know how to cook. I can have like multiple kind of pots going at once and I can kind of time it and it's very therapeutic. But when I'm doing a new recipe, like I just need to clear out the schedule, clear the day out and just learn how to do it. It takes me a long time how to, how to learn it. Cause, probably because I'm listening to like podcasts and stuff when I do it. I just couldn't imagine focusing 100% of attention on cooking, but for instance, I want to cook these like little Italian sausage pizzas and like I just need to write down like notes about what I'm going to buy and like, you know, just like everything I feel like could go wrong until I've done it maybe like five times or three or four times maybe and then I can do it like, you know, without looking and I just, I just know, you know, mm. so I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm actually pretty nervous about it. I'm not going around changing recipes as well. I... I used to do a little bit of baking and doing like chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, I got like myself a mini scale and everything like that. And um, I was very exact about the ingredients because I have no idea like what's going to screw it up because I'd have no idea what like baking soda and stuff does. Like I imagine it's, I don't think it's for taste. I imagine it's something to do with like making cookies or something like bigger or something, but mm -hmm. I'm just not touching that yeah. shit. <laughs> a couple of years ago, Barrio, myself, and a few of our friends, we had this cookie making competition. We all baked a bunch of cookies and we all tasted them. Uh, we gave it a few categories and we scored them. And <laughs> that was the first time I ever baked cookies. I, I really wanted to be competitive. So I, I, I found like a bunch of chocolate chip cookies recipes and I took like my favorite points from each one. And then I even posted to Reddit. I, I don't remember what, which subreddit it was, but I kind of asked for like baking tips for beginners and stuff like that. And I literally just memorized like my favorite bit from every recipe. And without looking at a recipe, I just made cookies. And I like, I browned some butter and I used all kinds. Uh, I, I think I used three types of chips. I, I had chocolate chips, dark chocolate chips, and uh, peanut butter chips. I've just kind of improvised through the whole process, but I took second place, and uh, I thought they were pretty good. I haven't baked since then. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's a keeper, but you never used it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barrio, do you, do you want to tell us what place you took in that competition? Oh, well, I, you know, I, well, first place, yes. <laughs> Very nice, Barrio. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's that was my my fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah, I think I still amongst, have like amongst uh, your friends. Yeah, we actually got a trophy, but it we couldn't find a big one, so it's a uh, kind of like a mini plastic trophy. Finger, yeah, <laughs> finger size trophy. <laughs> Is something written on it? No, just nothing. I think, yeah, yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think I tried drinking from it just for the. <laughs> <laughs> for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Filled it up with milk. Tried to dip your cookie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should have gone uh, after Peter because mine is a game as well, but it's a video game. I'm thinking about the video game Rayman, which came out in 1995. It's one of my all-time favorite games. I grew up playing it. I still play it every once in a while. And the thing is, 
I was very much into video games when I was a kid, and then I kind of lost touch with them until a few years ago, when I kind of became interested in them again. And when I got into video games again, I went uh, onto YouTube to look up videos about my two favorite uh, video games from my childhood, which are Rayman and Sonic 3D Blast. Uh, I was kind of expecting to find people raving about those games, because who wouldn't love those classics? And it turns out that both of these games aren't being held in as high regard as I would have wished. Uh, <laughs> and in the case of Rayman, it's mostly because it's it's kind of a hard game. It's a, it's a platformer. It has like, I don't know, maybe like 15 worlds. Each has three or four levels in it. And you get a certain amount of lives and continues, and they're only enough to get you about halfway through the game before you're out and you have to start all over. It's mm. really, really hard. You have to really want to finish the game because you have to really learn each and every level and you have to know what you're doing. And it, it's, it takes a lot of time if you do it by the book. You know, it, it kind of makes the game unapproachable. And I, ever since I was a kid, I you always used to play it with the 99 Extra Lives chit. And, uh, you know, I would usually have to use that chit a few times because it's really a hard game. So basically, I gave myself unlimited lives. And, you know, usually cheating in a game takes out all the fun. But here, even if you have unlimited lives, I, I think that the game is still challenging. It's still really fun to learn the levels and, and all the different sequences and everything. So I don't think that using that cheat ruins the game. I think it kind of opens it up. Like, you can now enjoy the game at your own pace. You can try to beat it without worrying about every bit of damage you're taking. And suddenly you can enjoy all of the creativity in this game. It's It's got a, a bunch of beautiful backgrounds. It kind of looks like watercolors. And, and, and the enemies are so fun. And everything is so... Just the, the design of everything is so creative and fun and just beautiful stuff. The animations are great. And, you know, there are very hard bits in the game. So with Unlimited Lives, you can try again and again until you get everything right. It's, it makes the game so much more fun. Th- this game was definitely designed to be played with a limited amount of extra lives. But it just works so much better if you use the cheat. Like, if you play it in a way it wasn't exactly intended to be played in. It, it feels like a whole different thing, you know? The, the game without cheats. I, I tried to play it once without any cheats. And it just feels kind of uninviting, if you know what I mean. And with the cheat, it suddenly becomes colorful and fun. And the, the cheats were put in by the developers, but it wasn't meant to be played that way. When you when you mentioned Rayman and uh, playing it, uh, well, not wrong, but differently from uh, what originally intended, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about, you kind of like gain abilities throughout the game. So when you mentioned cheating, I thought you, you, you will talk about like getting all the, the power-ups yeah yeah all the power-ups like in uh, from the beginning of the game because you can't even run at the beginning of the game so yeah. that makes everything slower and i didn't even think about the infinite lives because yeah you're right now that you mention it i i remember that yeah you, you had like a number of lives then you had like a continue but i think that that was limited as well like you yeah. could have gotten game over and the game is over Am I, am I yeah, wrong? Maybe I'm, I'm wrong I, 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 No, you're, you're perfectly right. I myself, without the Infinite Lives cheat, I can't get past maybe like the fourth world out of 15. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and even if I use like the, the 99 extra lives cheat, I have to use it like twice or three times throughout the game. It's, 
I don't know, kind of, when you add that cheat, when you have all the extra lives, it kind of feels a lot more like Cuphead. Have you guys played it? I've heard It's of like it. a platformer with a bunch of levels, and you, you, you're not limited in, in how many times you, have, you get to try each, each level. You have unlimited lives. It's, it, it makes so much more sense, uh, I think. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, like, if you look at other video games today, you rarely get a game over that stops the entire game. Yeah. When you enter a world in Rayman, once you get uh, through all of your lives, you you have a continue, you use a continue, then you have to start that world all over again. But when you run out of continues, you have to start the game all over again. Oof. Yeah, that's pretty rough, actually. Yeah, it's tough. Mm. Here's what I would say. I would say, without having ever played this game, unlimited lives should just be the regular that's game. That's how I feel, Then yeah. there should be a challenge. There should be a challenge version where you only get a few lives. And then the cheat version is the one where you get all the power. Yeah, that's uh, I I can totally yeah. I totally agree with that. Okay, um, the room is a video game, not a movie. It was released in 2012, first on the mobile platform, so iOS um, first, and then it was later available on Android, and now it's also available on um, PC and Nintendo Switch. I didn't know it was a a mobile game first. Yeah, it was a mobile game first, which when I first heard of it, I thought, "Mm, okay, yeah, this will be a PC game. Maybe it's available on mobile, but no, it started on mobile, which which explains why it is quite a a touch-based game. Touch-screen friendly. Yeah, (laughs) touch-player friendly, definitely. (laughs) It, we'll talk about that later. Um, it was developed by Fireproof, and it's a puzzle game utilizing uh, mostly physical mechanisms, but also some visual clues as well. Throughout the game, there's a story involving unnamed researcher and his quest to discover a fifth element. Well, Peter, um, he has a name. Oh, AS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> AS is his initials, so... Um, (laughs) you know, whatever you want to call that, (laughs) but then we're putting our fingers in all of us on all of asses stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) I think we should just keep fingers away from ass. Okay. Anyway, so he's trying to discover this fifth element and he slowly descends into madness and the the element, um, I'm not totally sure on it, it. It's a bit fuzzy for me, but he calls it null. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure what he was going for. I guess you don't expect too much out of a an iOS game, but um, it, <laughs> it was still interesting. So there are four puzzle boxes and um, a small inventory of items that you have on the left of your screen that you can use, such as keys and lenses. And you can kind of toggle clues on or off as well. So... Uh, if you toggle them off, you actually do still get clues. It's not like you have nothing. It'll just tell you. It'll do the video game thing of, hmm, I don't think there's anything here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they're clues. But the the real clues when you toggle them on are, are more like, um, you know, check this side of the box or, hmm, I think there was something in the ship. So the um, non-clue version is sort of, it'll dissuade you from going too far away, whereas the clue version will actually tell you where to look. So it has both options. It's best played, I would say, on a phone or a tablet or what I played on, um, which was a Nintendo Switch, which has a bit of touchscreen, as it does have a lot of sort of rotating shapes and sort of like sliding things across the screen. 
but you can play it with like a, um, you know, computer and mouse, Yeah. Um, which we did when we played um, The Room 2 for a bit. But yeah, definitely touchscreen friendly. In terms of awards, it won in the year of its release, the Apple iPad Game of the Year, and also a BAFTA. I don't actually know what BAFTA stands for, British Association, I think, um, for the best British video game. So it must be a British thing. I've heard of it before. Yeah. Um, so it won best British video game in 2012. So that's pretty good. Yeah. The, it has a few sequels. So it was followed by the room two and the room three. And then there's also another one. It's called the room old sins. I haven't really looked into it too much. I think maybe the old sins one is in VR. Uh, I think there is a VR one as well. Um, that might be coming out or. Mm. I, I'm not sure if it's out. I think it's out. Yeah, that would actually be cool. It's it's a game that would lend itself to VR quite well. I think. Oh, like out yeah. of all the games I've played, this is probably the best one to. Yeah, VR, because you have so many interactions with with objects. Yeah, and not a lot of movement. It's not quite an escape room, but it does have that vibe to it. You know, like you are in a room essentially. So with VR, it's not this things coming at you, but you can definitely interact with things and. There's a lot of things that you'll click or touch that don't do anything. I guess that would be kind of fun in VR, just to like put your hand on all these boxes and see if they move, you know? Yeah, that could, could actually be really fun. All right, what did we all think of the game? I I also played the game on a Switch, but I started the game. It has this intro screen that shows you that there are two ways to play the game on a Switch, either in handheld mode by tapping the, the touch screen or in docked mode on TV with the motion controls. And Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of experience with motion controls, like where you point the controller at the screen and there's a cursor that you can move by by moving the controller uh, itself. And there's like a button to grab and a button to zoom in and out. And I I didn't have a good feeling about that type of control because from what I've heard, motion controls usually aren't that great. But I was already kind of plopped on the sofa. I didn't want to get up and, and get the Switch itself and play with the touchscreen, so I played with the motion controls. Mm. And by the end, I got used to them, and there were a few mo- moments in which I felt kind of cool, but all in all, it, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> like it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't comfortable in most positions, and it's not too precise. So there are some struggles every once in a while. And also, it gets really tiring to have to hold your hand like fairly steady throughout the game. But that aside, I thought it was a really fun experience, the the game. Like, it's not too long. I finished it in one sitting, maybe two and a half hours, I think. Hmm. I thought that the puzzles were pretty good. Maybe not the best puzzles I ever solved, but they were fun. They were challenging. I don't think there were, like, any puzzles that I thought were totally unclear or unfair or anything Hmm. like that. So the level was pretty good. I think my favorite bit of the game was every time you start a new chapter. Like you have a safe or a box in front of yeah. you and you you know it's probably more elaborate than it appears, but you don't really know where to start. So you just kind of move things around. You just click on whatever you can see. You're moving stuff like the, you're, you're changing the camera angles all the time and you're just trying stuff until you kind of, you know, until you find the, the main riddle of the box or you find things to mess around with. So... Every every beginning of a chapter, when when like everything's opening, and don't know what to do, it, it's exciting. I thought, mm. and throughout the game, I kind of forgot to follow the story. I did read all of the le- letters and notes yeah. uh, left by S, but I I didn't really try to think about their meaning or construct the the whole story in my head or anything. 
And I, I like the atmosphere of the game. It's a quiet game. There's not a lot of music, or maybe there's not even music at all. There's a few sound effects. And I, I, I think you can sink into the feel of the game and enjoy it. But throughout the game, I kept thinking, maybe I should put on some music. Like, if I'll put on something a bit mm. dark and ominous in the background, maybe that'll make the game even more fun. And there was a point where I decided to put on some music when the chapter I was on was over. But then I finished that chapter of the game, and the game was over, so I didn't end oh, up doing that. No. <laughs> but all in all, a pretty good game, very good puzzles. I love the feel of the game. It's just a perfect length. It does what it does very well. It's not a very deep experience or anything, unless the story goes deeper than I got into. I looked at some of the forums, and um, a lot of people said the room 2 goes much Oh, not much deeper, but goes a little bit deeper into the theme and it's a little bit well more well thought out. I mean, we played half of it together, so yeah. you might have an opinion on it. But if if you're after the theme and you've done the first room, maybe continue if you thought there's just enough, but you wanted a bit more. Yeah, we only played, like you said, only halfway of the second game. We played it mm. together. And yeah. yeah, it seemed like there was a lot more to the story. You get notes not only from ass, but from this captain of a ship or whatever it was, and there's more story. Yeah, I thought about it later. I think, like, Ass has been <laughs> through what we are going through, and every room you're kind of, like, getting familiar with, with another, with with someone that experienced something similar. Like, you you have the captain, then you have the Mayan guy, I think, like, right, the, the, the last... Mm, yeah, you're right. And, yeah. and each of them kind of, like, tells the experience with the void element, null element, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. From my side, that that that's uh, that's exactly why I'm I'm curious in in playing this through because it does feel like part of something bigger, but you can't really get to it and, and, until you you go through with the games, and it becomes well the second game becomes much creepier. But you know, round back to to the first one, I think it it was a, a very good balance of. Something that is curious enough that you have like a, an interest in in pushing through, and puzzles that are just um, like I agree with you. They weren't they weren't that complicated, but it's just I don't know. I found it relaxing. Yeah. So I I just got into the flow there. I I just kind of like forgot about everything else, and it's, it's kind of like a very like a relaxing form of meditation. You just go from puzzle to puzzle. Neither of them is that grand that you you say ah. Oh, Okay, this is amazing. I can't believe I've so I solved it. I'm such a genius. Every one of them is simple enough, so it's all about okay, what the next one? You're going from one to the other to the other. It's kind of the right amount of stimulation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and 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 because of that, I think it's very relaxing. It's like if you need to clear your mind, this is a great game. And I think well, the music you you don't really hear it, but I think that the that the design is just wonderful. It's because you're you're not moving in a lot of sceneries, then the whole hard lifting of the visual design is on that box that you're trying to do. And it has like these details and mechanics that when it opens up, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I found it really, really compelling. And the whole concept where you keep opening the box and you're getting more puzzle boxes, that was <laughs> that was adorable, uh, until the end where you get the actual null element. And the last one I think was beautiful because the last one 
is suddenly it's bigger than the actual box. Then you're finally aware of the surrounding, but it comes from the box, which I found really, really beautiful. Like the box is your universe. In the last episode there, it literally is your universe. Like everything you see around you comes from within that box. So that was that was really nifty. I also enjoyed playing uh, with you guys yesterday. And I think uh, I definitely want to keep on going. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a fun experience. Uh, it's a great game to share. Like we played it over Discord. Barrio shared his screen. Barrio was controlling the game. And we're <laughs> kind of prodding you to, to put your fingers into stuff. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a fun game to share. It to kind of yell directions at Barrio. Turn this around, zoom in, zoom out, try this, try that. It's a fun game. Peter, well, what do you think of the game uh, in general? So, just to preface it, um, as you know, I usually take about four times longer than everyone else. <laughs> um, I played it over three sessions, all while camping, actually. Oh. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, so, playing this outside. Well, actually, kind of, yeah, outside slash inside. I was playing in the tent, but um, <laughs> once just in the afternoon and, and twice at night. And um, honestly, I, th- I thought the, the, the marketing for it made it seem much creepier. I thought it was going to be a real jump scare sort of um, game. And really, there were probably a few little jump scares, but not that much. If if you strip away a little bit of the aesthetic, it almost becomes a straight up sort of puzzle game. And um, in terms of the actual puzzles and doing it, you know, I thought it was great. Probably, I probably took a little bit longer than two and a half. Probably took about four, I'd say. Mm. And yeah, it was... Um, kept me entertained. I liked moving rooms. I liked focusing in on a box and finding out more and more. And I felt like when I got to the end of a box and I could see it all open, all of the things have been abused and, you know, there was things everywhere. You felt like a a small sense of accomplishment. Like when you got to the end, It, it, it was nice. And having that after every chapter is quite, quite good. Um, I also did like some of the, um, the ways the box would um, contort and change, especially towards the end where you got that Stonehenge scene, and I'll call it, when like you, the room is suddenly outside. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty great um, overall. And to be honest, my expectations were pretty low, like not because it was a creepy sort of puzzle game, just, I don't know, in terms of video games, I'm always afraid it's going to be too difficult or um, I'm going to get lost. And this one... It was so narrow in terms of um, there wasn't that much to focus on. It was really like one box and there were clues there. I did play with the clues on, but I didn't press them all that often. Probably maybe once or twice, probably once every chapter. Mm. And um, honestly, I didn't, I never got that feeling where I was going to be left behind or anything like that. I, it, it kind of got me into a state of a little bit of like a, a Zen state or a, um, or a bit of a state of flow where, I don't know, it was very nice. And um, I did play it with a bit of music on. I think I played it with Radiohead's latest album. And, um, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was great. I, I still had some of the um, sounds from the game as well, but they were pretty sparse. It wasn't – that's one thing I could say that they could have improved on. Um, they could definitely have a nicer score. Um, to the game or a nicer soundtrack. It, I feel like because it is a long game in the same room, potentially the danger was getting really monotonous. You know, like you feel like you're stuck on a home screen or something. 
I'm I'm not hundred percent sure about it, but the visuals were good, but the the sound perspective, I think there was room for improvement. And I don't exactly have a a, a straight up solution, but I, I would have liked to have seen something cool there. In terms of everything else, um, I appreciated the touch screen aspect of it. I'm sure a lot of people don't. It's funny. You use the touch screen. I use the motion controls <laughs> and Barrio used the mouse. Yeah, hmm. I thought the yeah. touch screens were great, actually. And I started with the mouse and I moved to a trackpad. Mm. So that's oh, okay. four mediums. Yeah, we tried every bit of uh, control method there is. <laughs> yeah. I, I would certainly vouch for the touch. like Because obviously, it could remake it, remake the game for mouse if they wanted to. But I think the way they've got it is pretty optimal. Like, be able to rotate around just by swiping across the screen. I, I thought it was really nice. And obviously, it improves the accessibility a little bit in terms of people being able to get it on iPad. As we said, it was iPad Game of the Year 2012. So, yeah, yeah, it, I, I think it was really good, actually. It kept me entertained. And um, I'll just say, I think it's I think it's my favorite game that we've done so far. Really? I had a feeling about that, it you know? Like, we played Firewatch, which was pretty pretty awesome now you think about it like there were definitely some flaws but you know it was a cool theme you know yeah but firewatch, this one, firewatch is more about the plot and here it's more about it the is more about puzzles the and and you like yeah, puzzles. exactly right yeah peter are you a puzzles guy i don't know if i'm a puzzles person i think this has definitely lo- um moved me towards puzzles more than what i was before i think i think i was aspiring puzzle person like i never thought i was good at them or never done a lot of them but i'm always a person that goes you know what i'd love to do a crossword or i'd love to do uh sudoku if i ever got time like it, it's it's like a aspirational thing for me to be able to get into puzzles but yeah. i've always found um reasons not to so this was like a really good excuse to get into it. cool yeah so i i'm guessing we all agree the puzzles weren't too hard or too easy, right? Like, I think it yeah. took me up to a minute or so at the most to figure out what to do with each puzzle or mm-hmm. or to figure mm. that I'm, I might be missing an item or something and to move on. Uh, they weren't too hard, but I didn't feel like I wasn't challenged at any point, right? I mean, maybe the tutorial. Well, in terms <laughs> of um, getting stuck, yeah. did you guys get stuck, like fully, like couldn't figure it out at any point? There was... One time, I really got stuck, and again, mm. well, it didn't take me more than a couple of minutes to really figure it out. Like in one of the earlier chapters, I think maybe the first chapter after the tutorial, there was a, a a bit of the box which is like a slides projector or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a you know, it's a thing that you have to kind of uh, light this gas burner, and you have to put a, uh, something to burn in it, and then you have to move things around. Yeah, uh, old-fashioned machine ever. Yeah, yeah. And then it has, like, this lens that you have to look through, and there's a mechanism that you have to start. You have to turn it until it starts. And mm. you move things around and everything, and, and I knew I was missing a piece. I was missing the lens, and none of my items fit into the 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 things that kind of hold the lens so i kept looking around for more things to do or more items to use but then i figured out that one of the items i had in my inventory it kind of looked like a short cylinder Mm. uh, but actually it was telescopic and it extends and then that's the lens of the contraption that i was looking for um so i kind of got stuck on that i didn't think of playing around and test the items i had 
I think it was still in the beginning of the game. So it, it may, maybe it was a bit dumb on my part because some of the keys that you pick up throughout the game require some manual manipulation in order yeah. to be useful. Yeah. So yeah, the seed was planted a little bit on that one. Yeah. yeah. That that's funny. You know, I I think the the only place that I also got like stuck for a while is around the same place, but for finding the. Um, there's something that's supposed to start burning. Yeah, it's kind of like a piece of string or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't remember what it was, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it took me a while. And I think you you turned off the, the clues mechanism, right? Yeah, I played two-thirds of the game without the hints on. I actually thought the first two-thirds is the bit where I'd want the clues. Yeah. I feel like the <laughs> last box was... Um, the last box was an easy guy, I thought. <laughs> I thought it was just giving it to us, like... Because there was a lot of theatrics and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I, I, I would click something and then something else would happen. I'd be like, oh, no way. <laughs> and I feel like the puzzle bit took a back seat then, uh, which was totally fine. Like, I actually enjoyed it for what it was. But I feel like the last box was one of the easier boxes. I thought the hardest one was box two. Is that where there was the, um, what you're talking about and on with the projector? No, it was the first, the, that was the first one. I think. Maybe there, there's like the tutorial. Okay. Cause I, I remember I got stuck in that exact same place. Maybe it was the second. And yeah. I'm pretty certain it was chapter two, that one. Um, yeah, the maybe. first one was the one with the legs, with the wood and fire and stuff. Yeah. The first one was like a tutorial. Yeah. There was kind of a, a short tutorial that kind of showed you how to move things around and everything and what, what you can do in the game. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, you mentioned the the hint system, the clue mechanism, and which I really liked. I like if you haven't made any progress in a while, the game offers kind of a clue or a nudge in the right direction, and usually mm. it has a few clues for each bit. Like the first one is a point in the general direction of the solution, and then the second and third are a, a bit more specific uh, in case you need those. And uh, I like that system because you can ignore it or even disable the hints question mark logo yeah. and and not use it at all. I almost check the the options menu of the game before I start playing it because I, I, I like to see if I maybe want to change something and I notice that you can turn the clues off. So I did before I started playing. And I played the first two thirds of the game with this hint system disabled. And then I turned on the clues because I wanted to see what they were like. I, I didn't want to miss on that part of the game. And I actually used them uh, because I felt like I needed a clue maybe twice. Hmm. So I think it's a good system. You can pretty much control how much hand-holding you want to get from the game. And that makes the game very approachable to players of all levels, I think. Yeah, yeah no, it was good. I, I used the hints. I had them toggled on. But the good thing about the hints is that if you have them toggled on, it doesn't give you them. You have to, like, ask for it, essentially. Yeah. And I, I really liked that because it meant that I didn't have to choose between doing it kind of solo without the hints or with all the hints when you get stuck you just ask for a hint you know it's, yeah, it's yeah pretty... but i don't remember if it's only in the second game or maybe if it's in the first game as well but like if you don't make any progress in a few i don't know, maybe like 20 seconds mm. then the, uh, yeah. the question mark kind of boops it does yeah, go, yeah, it, yeah. it goes like Boo. it's all in the first game as well yeah so i i didn't like that i, I kind of wish it, it didn't have the sound mm. you know just just don't remind me that i can take a hint you know mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you have uh, the control to <laughs> resist the urge, then it's uh, it it just helps. Like even knowing that you don't need to leave the game in order to to kind of like find out how to go forward, and that the clues are really subtle. I didn't use them much as well, a lot as well, but usually the first one would do the trick because 
Like I found myself using them when I needed a general direction, and they yeah. do it great. Like they're saying, "Well, I need to probably try to look at that area over there." Yeah, and, I didn't and look at this will bit be enough. enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah totally agree. And I gotta say that, like Peter, I found myself using them at, at the beginning because afterwards you're kind of like learning the pace of the game. It's not really that the puzzles are repeating themselves, but you get the hang I don't of know. those. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like they have kind of get into the 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 head of the designer. You kind of get to know what yeah, to expect. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, I didn't really get into the story of the game. I read the notes and everything as I was going, but I was kind of focused on the boxes and the puzzles that I didn't really take anything from the story in. Like In the end, I could have done without the story, but I'm wondering if I missed a really good story. Like, maybe I should find a video about it on YouTube or something. I don't think you missed a great story. Probably you'll find on YouTube kind of like the general story for all the four games, but for the first game... The, the the deal is that there's ass and ass was a researcher <laughs> and he was also part of this secret society called the circle which used some kind of uh, religious rituals in order to do kind of several things but he distanced himself from them he thought that they were wrong and he started investigating uh, what he calls the null element, and he saw that it's he had like expeditions to different uh, archaeological sites of different cultures, and and he understood that uh, different cultures called the 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 null element by different name, uh, void, mind, soul, energy, etc. And he understand that there's uh, this symbol, this hexagon symbol that that's kind of like repeating and has something to do with it. And he start doing experiments in order to get this element and something goes wrong and he and he creates this element but he's saying that he has created it from himself and it's it's somehow bound to his soul or is his soul or something like that yeah. and it's an enormous source of energy and he found a way to contain it but once he do, he did that he started getting these visions of different ancient worlds and and some mm-hmm. of the things that we also see throughout the game and the last part, I think, that he he understood that that circle society was right all along, because they wanted to summon some someone, the prince of lies or something. I don't know, probably Satan or, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. They didn't have a sufficient source of power, but then he has this uh, uh, null element, so he's trying to do the ritual for summoning Satan or something, and. At first it fails, but then it does something else. I'm not sure that it summons it, but it, it's kind of like pulling him to the last level that, that we attend. The Stonehenge level that, that you mentioned. <laughs> it's caught on. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good description. There is a, a bigger story behind it, but there's nothing like... Uh, there's no like big meaning behind everything. It's just not a anything to take from it or anything no not, not in the first so. not in the first game the first game ends in the writing of of like you're now part of it uh, wish it or not you you're yeah. too deep you need to continue see you in the room too and i guess the room two will pretty much say the same thing until yeah. we get to the room four yeah, in the in the first one, he's like, oh, I don't know what's behind here. It looks pretty dodgy, but, no. you know, whatever. <laughs> and he gets to the end, and he's like, yeah, you idiot. <laughs> now you're in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why you just can't go home, but, like, yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite one was probably 
I, I quite enjoyed the ones wherever there was sort of letters that you needed to get. Like I know there was one where you have to find like the letter L in, I think it was trial, but anything where you need to like rotate them, I don't know. I feel like even though they had different elements of how you got those puzzles, so sometimes you would need to find the number or the letters around the around the room and sometimes yeah. it was you'd have to use your lenses or something like that. I found like the letters were quite refreshing. I quite liked that. Also because you could technically um, brute force your way through them. I, mm, I don't yeah. think I ever did that, but um, just having that option there is pretty good. In terms of the other ones, I was always looking in the letters to see if there was any like um, insights or um, yeah, any insights into what could be in the puzzles. Like um, in the first tutorial, he's like, oh, you know what? Like something feeds me, but like wood feeds me or something, and um, yeah. and water kills me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like a famous feed riddle. me and I'll grow. Yeah, um, exactly. Drink me and I'll die. Something. And I was like, oh, cool, that's in the tutorial, so that'll be in everyone. So I was always looking for that, and that was definitely the worst because like there was <laughs> nothing. It was like just red herrings and all this stuff. So I didn't, I didn't think that was good. Um, I thought the light ones were probably like the ones how you had to make a shape using the light. I thought the number one was okay in the second box where you had to make the number on each side. But I thought after that, I don't know. I think they were kind of like the least thought out ones. Like they seem pretty basic where you just had to rotate the angle until you found the shape. Hmm. Was there a part uh, where you kind of brute forced your way and you skipped a bit? No, I don't think I ever did that. I know we did that a little bit in um, number two, but um, <laughs> no, I didn't have a big brute force it. And one of the, I think, again, the first level after the tutorial, there's a bit where you have to put in like four symbols in order to open mm. a bit of the box. And I got yeah. two of the symbols and I decided to see how long it would take to brute force it. It took mm. like 10 or 15 seconds. Yeah. And it opened a bit. And then I finished that level. And when I started the next level... I had in my inventory a photo. And I, I up until now, I still don't know how you got that photo because I skipped oh, it. Really? A bit. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Barry? Did you accidentally skip a bit at all? No, I don't think so. Except yesterday in the room two where we just guessed a two uh, letter yeah. <laughs> code. Two combinations. Come on, guys. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it wasn't too it was hard. Simple enough. <laughs> Maybe it was planned for you to do it. But the mechanism that, that I definitely like the most is uh, the thing with the eyepiece. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. Sometimes I, I really like that um, some surfaces like had depth once you put the eyepiece on. And probably the puzzle that repeated the most when you put it is that you need to make a shape but with the angle of the camera. I found it really cool. Oh, yeah. really? I thought I, I didn't like that one. I, th I, I thought it was okay, like. Because I could do them pretty easily, but <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I, I kind of was like, oh, I wonder how the developers did this. They probably just lined up the camera in some random spot, put all of them together, and then just set the distances to be different. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, maybe not that cool, you know, yeah. but um, the ones on the box were definitely my favorite. No, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they were challenging and probably, and I also yeah. thought about how to create them and, and get to the same conclusion, but... I like the concept of your finding order in the mess. Well, maybe it repeated a bit too many times, but at the beginning, I, I especially because it was something in depth and then you kind of like order, you found the order in that virtual depth and then 
something changed in in the real life yeah it's fair although enough. it was a bit weird because it's uh, very mechanical like nothing comes from nothing no and comes from nothing. once you put the eyepiece it, it adds this uh very metaphysic level to it yeah you get the yeah, eyepiece in the tutorial right like yeah right at the beginning yeah. yeah yeah you got the eyepiece and then when did you get the lens was that oh no that was in the first one yeah uh, As actually writes to you that uh, without the eyepiece, you're blind as the rest of them. So mm. yeah, yeah. So I I pretty much said it, but but I'll say it again. I think it's fun. I think it's it it's a great game to clear your head. It's fun to do with friends as well. And one of the other things that that I think is fun is that uh, because there are currently four, maybe five games out there, it's uh, it's something that you can get into and decide when you want to stop but there are things to find out the the mechanics of the game is fun i probably touch interface is the best way to play it using the mouse it wasn't that convenient but it wasn't too bad yeah i, I would recommend it at, at the bottom line i play this game on a saturday morning i kind of woke up made myself breakfast i played it in my pajamas and everything and it made my morning a lot of fun and i i love puzzles and the ones in this game are well done. Not the best I ever solved, but they're definitely a lot of fun. I don't know, I kind of have a feeling that there's going to be some interesting reading about it, or maybe a, a good YouTube video about it. Kind of like the one with uh, Edith Finch, it was a lot of fun to get into. And next time I'll play something like that, I'll probably put on some music in the background. I think it might make the, the whole experience even more fun. I think that the intention was for it to be a bit creepy. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I I went in with sort of modest expectations and I wasn't blown away, but I did, I was impressed. I thought, you know, this game is super accessible, yet it's still fun for someone who wants to do like a speed run or something like that, if you were really into that kind of stuff. In terms of hints, in terms of sort of um, playability and touchscreen and stuff, it, it just passes the test for me. Like it it renders well, you can use touch, but you could also use a mouse. The hints are set up pretty well. Maybe they shouldn't like, you know, reminder every time you've <laughs> been stuck on something. But besides that, you know, pretty good. And yeah, the vibe was interesting. It was a little bit creepy. And honestly, if, if I could have a straight game without any of the creepy stuff, like just the puzzles or what we had, I'd probably choose what we had. It, it does add a little bit of interest, you know, having like the elements and stuff like that. And for a, what was essentially a phone game, I'm pretty impressed actually. I honestly didn't expect myself to want to play The Room 2, but um, we played it last night and I had, well, um, yesterday for you guys, last night for yeah. me and Pat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. It was, it's entertaining. It's sort of like an escape room, but not quite. Yeah. It's yeah. good. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not The Room, the video game, not the movie, <laughs> has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, aka The Quake. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. I want to vote first. And I want to, to make a, a case because I thought about it thoroughly. As, as always with the Quag, we're always thinking whether this is a cultural asset that we want to say this is something that you need to experience in order to 
be more cultured or understand yeah. culture better. 2012 BAFTA. Yeah. <laughs> 2012 iPad Game of the Year, Barrio. We already know. <laughs> but the other side of it is to experience something that might open your uh, horizon. And I think, like, even though it's the 2012 uh, Best iPad <laughs> Game, it's I'm not sure if it's a cultural asset, yeah. but I do think, because it's a different kind of game, like we usually when talking about video game, this is not our go-to game. And I think that this might be accessible to a, a very big audience that is not usually playing video games and because it's very much accessible and fun. So my bottom line is that I'm going to tip my hat and I think that it should be in the quick. So um, as our resident non-gamer or even potentially terrible gamer. <laughs> Just I a slow thought, game. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun and that's a kind of a high bar in my world and in terms of video games. Not a snob, I'm just really bad at them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I had a great time. So I'm going to tip my hat as well. Wow. Hmm. First, this we, we've never got a video game in the Quake, just so you know. I, I, I totally agree that it's approachable and everyone, like everyone, even people who've never played anything in their life could approach this, could have fun with this. And I also think this is something to share, like, with friends. Like, if you have a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend who's never played anything and you want to have, like, a nice morning or nice evening with them, then this is perfect. This is a lot of fun. This is like an escape room without leaving your home. I, I have a lot of good things to say about this game, but it's it's just not Quake material in my mind. I, ah, I'm going to stroke my mustache so for it. So close. It's just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't pass the bar for so me. Close. Damn, we tried. We tried. We tried. <laughs> And usually I'm the, the positive one, I think. Sometimes. I think, what, what was it last time, though? I feel like last time it was a two yes and a no situation. I, I don't know. You've recently Graceland? convinced me on the, on the Billy, Billy Elliot one. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. on the fence and you guys both have voted it in. So I, I kind of went along. Though I'm, I'm really happy with that choice. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. You win some, you lose some. No, I actually watched a few scenes from that movie again yesterday and I almost cried. Uh, mm. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's a great, great, great movie. But yeah, I don't think this one is is enough for the Quig. Uh, no, nah, that's, uh, that's fair. That's totally negative. Yeah. I think it's a great experience. I think you should try it, but I don't know if it's a, a fit. Uh, do you guys want to know what we're going to do next? Yes. I would love to. Yeah, you should know. <laughs> Keep it a surprise till next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, if my calculations are correct, I... I I sat down yesterday with a with a notebook, a pen, and a calculator, and I ran some numbers. And this is my last chance to choose the subject before we do our two year uh, anniversary episode, Ooh. two episodes from now. Anyway, I wanted to finish this year with a bang, so I'm going to choose a movie that is considered to be a major classic. It should be a huge gap to close, and if it's all it's supposed to be, it's going to be a surefire quick thing. Uh, it's also going to be the oldest movie we've watched for the quest, oh. if I'm not mistaken. What we're going to do is we're going to watch Citizen Kane, oh. a movie from 1941, directed and starring Orson Welles. Orson Welles? Yep. Not Welles? Uh, I always said Orson Welles. Oh, okay. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. I was just thinking it was the same person, because honestly, I can't put a face to that name, but I've heard a lot. So He's the um. one who got drunk doing the... I think it was champagne commercial, and he goes like, "Oh, the French champagne." It's kind I of a thing. I don't think I've ever seen that. That sounds great. 
<laughs> wait, wait, I have to put it on now. <laughs> Turn camera. One, oh, two, take one. These are a few takes from those With commercials. Action, please. They're waiting for him to talk. Maybe it works better with the video. Action awesome, please. Did you just do anything? No, it's a, sorry, cut. Yeah, really. <laughs> 102, take two. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. There is a California He's champagne. Drunk off his butt. <laughs> this is how I talk about like the Beatles and Led French Zeppelin excellence. after like eight years. Fermented in the bottle and like the best <laughs> French champagne. One oh two, take three. <laughs> Action, please. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated <laughs> for its excellence. Oh, there is great. a California oh, champagne man. by Paul. And also. He came out uh, some other time on the podcast. Do you remember? No. No. Orson Welles, or Welles, I don't know how to say it now, he was the big Hollywood producer guy in the end of the Muppet movie. He was the one who ah. gave Kermit the standard rich and famous contract. Interesting. It's, it, yeah, he made Citizen Kane in 1941. It's supposed to be a major, major classic. It's supposed to be, like, people are calling it one of the best films of all time. Which, oh, cool. Uh, which, oh, right. don't, don't, don't get your expectations that high. Like, oh, I, googled, <laughs> I googled, is Citizen Kane still worth watching? And I got all kinds of answers. And some of it said it's, it's like a great story told well. And some said it's worth reading a bit about, about how the storytelling and editing methods in it have changed the industry and are still relevant today. And some said they heard so many times about how it's the best movie of all time that they've watched it with the wrong set of expectations. So oh, okay. it should be amazing, but don't get it in your head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So it's a good movie, but from 1940. So it's... Yeah, exactly. I don't know a lot about that movie, but I know that the term rosebud, uh, a term I've heard in all kinds of places and never knew what it meant, means, is from Citizen Kane. So I kind of hope to, to figure it out. Cool. Sounds interesting. I honestly can't wait. I think this is great. Yeah. All the old stuff we've done, I've pretty much loved. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a great opportunity. Yeah, but it's supposed to be an amazing movie. At least, at the very least, it's going to be an interesting gap to close. Yeah, that's yeah. Can't wait. Cool. So thank you, Barrio, and, and thank you, Peter. I think I, I think it's the first time I said thank you to Barrio <gasps> before Peter for staying true to our goal, <laughs> and thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. Uh, we hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. The Culture Quest podcast is brought to you by no one in particular. The best way to support us and help us grow is to tell your friends and family about us and to direct them at episodes that they might find interesting. We might start a Patreon page at some point. That way, we'll be able to do some cool stuff with people who decide to actively support us such as you'll be able to join our Discord channel and discuss the albums, movies, books we're doing before we record each episode. You'll be able to suggest and to vote on the subjects that we do. We can maybe do listening parties with the albums we've covered and who knows what else. Uh, if you think you might be interested in something like that or you want to contact us about anything else, drop us a line. You can find all the ways to contact us on our website, culturequestpodcast.com.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a, um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So, yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.